Hey, what's up? We're back with the ESL show. I'm your host, Pasquale, and today I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of ESL classes, as well as some activities that we might be able to use in the modern classroom. Teaching second languages has gone through a a very complex process, or it's evolved a lot uh, since its inception, which I guess would have been a, a long time ago, but Originally, it followed uh, a very rote way of learning. You know, students were in chairs and the teacher taught vocabulary in a very strict and regimented manner. Over the years, uh, several scientists and philosophers kind of emerged and had uh, different thoughts and opinions. And so teaching second languages kind of went through went through a revolution where Instead of teaching kids in this rote manner, tasks started to become more communicative. And overall, uh, you know, having communicative tasks and just getting people to start speaking second languages immediately was uh, more beneficial for their own learning, as well as help them actually uh, understand the language as well. And also, it's much, it's better to actually use that the language practically where rather than only uh, rather than only teach them this vocabulary, they actually go out and use this vocabulary, which can be uh, very beneficial to them. Even it can even help reinforce what they learned in class. So now if you were to ask any language teacher, what teaching a second language is actually like, Or if you were to ask uh, perhaps even some students what learning a second language is like. But first you might get the original, or not the original response, but, you know, at first you might get the same response from most students like, oh, it's very difficult. And from teachers, they might say that it's very chaotic. Well, why is it so chaotic? It can't be taught like most other subjects. It's, in my opinion, more complex perhaps than mathematics, even though it might be easier for most to understand language rather than mathematics, in my opinion, learning a second language is perhaps more complex than mathematics. And so because of this, more varied approaches had to be taken to kind of teaching it. Uh, Part of the chaos might actually come from the fact that classes uh, became a bit more communicative. Maybe, you know, some a class would sometimes get a bit too loud and the teacher would have to quiet down students. But also, uh, it comes from this complexity. So how did we get here? How did we get to this stage in ESL teaching, in this chaotic stage? Well, originally it began with the grammar translation method, which it wasn't even supposed to teach students a second language. It was just meant to expand their minds. And gradually, as I mentioned before, tasks became more communicative and classrooms themselves became more focused on students actually using the language or speaking it. Uh, yes, speaking, using it to speak with. Excuse me. And from there, the theories behind it kind of also went through a bit of a revolution. Uh, so the theories that I've covered in one of my classes, EDSL 305, are in general very focused on communication uh, where students themselves, you know, they, they talk, you know, or the, it's like the theory behind uh, 
language learning? How does it happen? So what's interesting about a lot of these theories is how they actually differ from each other. For example, um, two of the theories that I had to read in depth and uh, really study were the functional approach and the sociocultural theory. The functional approach claims that language is all about making meaning. Sociocultural theory, on the other hand, focuses on uh, how language or perhaps how consciousness is uh, constructed socially and uh, how artifacts are used to be able to communicate uh, this. So in addition to that functional approach, which focused a lot on how uh, language, how making meaning is important in language learning. We also had the sociocultural theory, which focused more about the external factors that contributed to the development of an individual's consciousness. So just language in the sociocultural theory serves a communicative and psychological role in humans. It's, it has the ability for uh, us to first of all use it on ourselves and influence ourselves and also it has the ability for us to influence others with it and so obviously this uh, the way that we use it on ourselves is very important for our own development uh vygotsky uh puts forward the concept of inner speech and regulation where when we perform inner speech we are in fact self-regulating we're thinking before acting and uh, the most important thing, actually, that came from all of this was uh, the zone of proximal development, uh, which is the range between a student's or an individual's current level and where they would be with a qualified person assisting them. But overall, uh, this was, of course, very important in pointing out how, you know, already humans are social creatures, but also our learning itself and the development of our consciousness and language itself is very social. So with everything that I've said, what are some activities that we could do? If we were going strictly uh, and using, if we were going to use strictly one of these theories and use, let's say, the functional approach. Well, the functional approach really focused on uh, making meaning. And so it would have used very complex concepts like temporality and it would have had students try to express these uh these concepts so going with the temporality example um it would have asked students to first of all express uh the past and it would have looked and it looked at the expression as a series of steps and the first step would have been students enumerating what they did in order that is uh the first thing that it would have done. The second one would have been students using auxiliary verbs to convey time. And the last one would have been students conjugating the verbs themselves to indicate uh, the time in which the event happened. And so in order to progress through these steps, the communicative task would have become more complicated uh, every step of the way. For example, it could first ask students to uh, list what they've done so far in the day and then ask them to say everything that they just said, but in reverse. 
And so this more complex task would force students to maybe would have maybe um, forced students to evolve their English, so to speak. And that's how progression happens in the functional approach. Earlier when I mentioned that language teaching might actually be chaotic, what I didn't take into account is how the sociocultural theory actually, in a study that was conducted, mentions how explicit and systematic instruction could actually help students gain a degree of mastery over pragmatic features of the language itself. So, you know, it's obviously important to have students talk, but to some extent, it has to be mixed in with some of this more um, kind of base level instruction where they have to learn the features of the language uh, from a qualified person like a teacher, and then they can move on and try to use what they've learned in actual conversation. Uh, and as I mentioned, it might even help them retain what they learned with the teacher. So what are some other important tasks or what are some other tasks that we could use with the ELSO, with, excuse me, ESL students? Oh, one thing in particular that might be useful, uh, regardless of subject that's being taught is first of all, having, giving kids the opportunity to learn how to debate each other and how to kind of structure and form arguments. So that, that in and of itself is important for a few reasons, uh, outside of language learning, but it's also useful for language learning itself where students will have to be able to execute or form arguments in a second language and then back up their reasoning in that language itself. This would, of course, be for advanced learners. For learners that are weaker, just in general, trying to get them to use the language is definitely a step in the right direction. And any quick Google search you do for ESL activities, for example, I've pulled up a fluentu.com blog for educators. And some activities that it mentions, it's like uh, short talks, create a stack of topic cards for your students so that each student will have their own card. Personally, that sounds like a good activity. Here's a cute one, show and tell. Something that uh, perhaps everyone has done at least once. Uh, bring something in from home, talk about it. Video dictionary. Uh, but all of these activities involve communication. And so this goes to show how important that really is for second language learning. And so with all of that said, unfortunately, I think I'm out of time. This has been your host Pasquale signing off from ESL Talk. Thank you for listening.